The gospel reading today is from John 12, verses 12 through 19. I'll be reading from the message translation. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him, and they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in God's name, the King of Israel. Jesus got a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has it, no fear, daughter Zion, see how your king comes riding on a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at the time. But after Jesus was glorified, they remembered that what was written about him matched what was done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, was there giving eyewitness accounts. It was because they had spread the word of this latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. It's out of control. The world's in a stampede after him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And just one verse from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy 3.16. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. God's right there with you. God won't let you down, won't leave you. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Fort Myers, Florida, there is a tradition of the Edison Light Parade, which takes place each February, at least before the pandemic, to celebrate Fort Myers' most famous winter resident, Thomas Edison. The parade is unique because it takes place at night in order to fully experience all the creativity of the floats and the bands that light up in the darkness. And it's so popular that two or three weeks before the big day, lawn chairs already appear along the side of the road, some of them chained to a fence with a bicycle lock, others just left undisturbed on the sidewalk for weeks. And the parade culminates that night in the crowning of the king and queen of the symbolic kingdom of Edisonia. Today's gospel tells of a different sort of parade and a different kingdom. In the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus gives his disciples the task of fetching a donkey he can ride from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. But in the Gospel of John, by contrast, Jesus starts into Jerusalem on foot, 
The donkey only comes later when the crowd gets so caught up in their palm-waving, nationalistic, king-admiring zeal. At that point, Jesus finds the donkey on his own and sits on it, almost as if to say, I'm not that kind of king. It's a beautiful symbol of his humility in the face of triumphalist misunderstanding of the expectation of a different kind of Savior. Biblical scholar Marcus Borg points out that Jesus and the crowds were not the only parade going on that day. On the opposite side of the city, entering from the west, would have been Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Idumea, Judea, and Samaria, entering Jerusalem at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. Jesus, coming in from the east side, his procession proclaimed the kingdom of God. Pilate's proclaimed power of empire. And the two processions embodied the central conflict of the week that led to the crucifixion. I remember riding home from church on Palm Sunday as a child, absentmindedly taking those palm fronds they give you, looking ahead, playing with it, trying to make it into a cross, and looking ahead in what we used to call the Sunday school quarterly, if you remember those, to the next week's topic. And I never could figure out, it made no sense to me then, how Jesus had people throwing themselves at him one week and then was so alone by the end of it, arrested. And killed. And now when I read the Gospels, I see all those undercurrents that help explain that shift. On Palm Sunday, a group from Bethany was surrounding Jesus, having come with him, still exultant over the miracle of raising Je Lazarus from the dead. And Pilgrims from Galilee who knew Jesus well made up another large portion of the crowd, thinking that this was the moment the kingdom would come in all its fullness. The Gospel of Matthew points out that more support came from the blind, the lame, and the children. Beyond this parade, however, danger lurked in the background. Those imperial troops brought in to control the Passover festival crowds were well attuned to look for just the first signs of civil disorder and unrest and step on it. Since said that Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a protest parade, a protest against those of the occupying power, a parade to prepare the way for a different kind of king, and this was all happening with plots to kill Lazarus and Jesus, building in the background the whole while. So the crowds were brave to show up that day. And in the Gospel of John, at least, Jesus himself shows no hesitation, drawing on deep wells of courage to face his journey to the cross. And the root of that word, remember, the root of that word courage, core, meaning heart, Courage is deep within us too. Take heart, have courage. And we often find it when we most need it, when everything else has been stripped away. This past week, when the shots rang out in a Colorado grocery store where 10 people were killed, 51-year-old police officer Eric Talley was the first member of law enforcement to arrive at the scene. 
to enter into the chaos. His death leaves a grieving wife and seven children. And it's a reminder that first responders, be they firefighters, police, paramedics, as well as members of our armed forces are trained to run toward the chaos while everyone else runs away. And we thank those brave ones for the courage they display on our behalf and acknowledge that the service they give can come at great cost. And there are more ordinary types of courage as well, all around us and within us. The courage we display just to show up for the next day. The courage that's required to be your own person even if it's different from everyone around you. The courage to stand up for what you believe in, even when you're ridiculed. The courage to speak up against racism and white supremacy, even in a culture that's blind to those evils. The courage to admit you need help when you grew up with the falsehood that you could do it all yourself the courage to face an addiction and change your life one step and one day at a time. Courage to start over. Courage to emerge reborn from an isolating, year-long Lenten discipline and slowly find your pilgrim way back to touch and to smiles, and to community, and to the interactions with familiar strangers that make us human, and maybe even eventually a parade. Mickey Scott Bay Jones is a womanist, contemplative activist, healer, nonviolent, direct action organizer, and consultant. She was named one of the black Christian leaders changing the world by Huffington Post. And she wrote a poem called Invitation to Brave Space. Together we will create brave space because there is no such thing as safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars, and we have all caused wounds in this space. We seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know we will not be perfect. This space will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together, and we will work on it side by side. I've been talking about the book Lent of Liberation, Confronting the Legacy of American Slavery with a small group of women on Tuesday nights and discovering stories within it, firsthand stories of the brave individuals who drew deeply on courage to leave the plantation and the yoke of slavery and set out on the dangerous path toward freedom on the Underground Railroad. 
and their stories inspire me to do better, to be better and braver, to follow Jesus into the centers of privilege and power for the sake of a different kind of kingdom, kingdom. The crowd that encircled Jesus in the last week of his life didn't know where their story was going. They only knew the one who came in the name of the Lord was becoming a dangerous character to associate with by the next morning. I think Palm Sunday began to be a problem when it became clear that Jesus was a threat to the way things were organized in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was most welcome when it was believed that he would help you with your illness or raise your brother from the dead or cure your cousin's blindness or make the demons go away. But he doesn't stop there. He rides on and he wants to redirect life and conquer death and by week's end, even his closest disciples make themselves scarce. Palm Sunday, it becomes clear that when Jesus enters our lives, he not only blesses and heals and teaches and leads and forgives, he also confronts and disturbs. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus goes downtown and he weaves his way right into the strongholds of power and prestige and privilege. He enters the law offices, the financial districts, the brokerage houses, and the halls of government and religious institutions, and that's where the trouble really gets started. No wonder the Gospel of Matthew tells us that when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? And that word for turmoil is the same one we use for earthquake. So much was shaken up, and turmoil tended to follow Jesus everywhere. His, his words stirred it, his actions stirred it, his teaching provoked it, and that turmoil of Jesus reverberates across 2,000 years every time his insistent words of peacemaking and righteousness and justice confront our fretful daily routines and schemes. Palm Sunday happens when we hear God has not entered our lives to help us do our work, but to call us back to do God's work, to give us the courage to attend to God's ways of binding up the brokenhearted and comforting those who mourn and speaking truth to power and doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. Because peace and reconciliation become possible when common folk with uncommon courage oppose evil and together when they stand with the one who comes in the name of the Lord. After all, this is the one unto whom all power has been given in heaven and on earth, the one whose name is above every other name, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, and the Ancient of days. So despite our fear and our uncertainty these days, despite our feeble responses of faith and the suffering in our trembling cities and our endless capacity to be violent, treacherous, and unfaithful, we say, Hosanna, save us. 
come into our living rooms and onto our streets and into the power centers of our culture and government, into our hospitals and our waiting rooms, our grocery stores and nail salons, our prisons and our homeless tent cities. Thanks be to God that Jesus comes to save a world of sinners, even the ones who turn on him. He comes with courage in the name of the Lord, enters the gates of Jerusalem and the gates of our hearts. May we take heart, take courage, and follow. Hosanna. Save us. Amen.